This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers, a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parents Guide to Co-Parenting, speaker, and mother of three. Welcome to our second podcast, and today we're going to be discussing kid-centric marriages. So, Jenna, what does that mean exactly? What, what is kid-centric marriage? I think it means when parents are putting their children first and their schedules and the emotional well-being of the children first, but then as a result, it's not a balanced family situation because... Mm-hmm. Um, the caregivers or the parents are then receiving, you know, second priority and sometimes even third priority. And the marriage itself is the last to be served. Mm-hmm. So, so much energy is being put on raising these amazing kids that the dreams, the self-care, and the time for connection for parents are, are the last to be served. Why do you think that is? Why, where, why, did, why have the kids become our number one priority? I think it's a little bit of FOMO, you know, mm-hmm. this fear of missing out for our children, that they're not going to receive what they need in order to be successful in life and to achieve. Mm-hmm. And so many parents now are looking at parenting as uh, a personal reflection of themselves, Mm-hmm. So children kind of can become false idols, so to speak, where they're putting so much time and intention of, of raising these amazing kids um, and making sure also that they don't go without certain resources or opportunities, that it's often at the cost of parents mm-hmm. and their own self-care. Right. And it seems that there's there's a lot of guilt involved. You know, where yeah. where does that Where does that guilt stem from? I think the guilt stems from what you didn't receive in your own childhood. If you feel like you were missing out on certain opportunities or connections, then you're hoping to repair that by offering that to your children and Mm -hmm. making sure they don't go without. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, that guilt can also come from comparison. If you're looking at other families and thinking, wow, you know, look at, Look at what Jimmy has, you know, and and, and uh, the resources and the vacations that they get to go on. Like, I, I want to be able to do that. I don't want my kids to feel like they're left out. Right. But at what cost? I mean, we're, we're sacrificing our relationships with our significant others to please our children. Yes. And I think that's the big crux of it is that culturally we're following um, – we're making parenting choices out of fear. Mm. And as a result, we're not taking care of our marriages and our partnerships well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the last priority. And so children end up growing up in these homes feeling entitled mm-hmm. and thinking that they have a lot more authority in their homes because of the level of attention they're receiving all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a real disservice because 
if you're raising a child to be, you know, in a kid-centric home, they're going to end up growing up thinking that the world does revolve around them. Right. And that's not true. That's not reality. Like once you become an adult. And if that is your reality as an adult, then you're going to end up having more unhealthy relationships because your own sense of other is not going to be developed. Right. And it makes me wonder, too, if if um, some of this is a, a, a created distraction by by certain people to avoid that, you know, intimacy or, or connection with their significant other. You know, maybe do you think some of it's intentional? Um, either unconsciously or or consciously. Sometimes people want to choose to have a kid-centric marriage with their partner because of what they are avoiding in in terms of the topics with each other. Perhaps they don't have a very strong connection to begin with. And so because they have the kids, they don't they take that responsibility very seriously, of course, and then they put a lot of time and effort into the children because that's all they really have in common. Yeah. Or there's certain ruptures that have happened, um, say financial issues or uh, an affair or certain um, personal ruptures in, in the marriage. And so they've given up on, on unfulfilled wishes, on, on, on hopes and dreams that the relationship can be a really connective and uh, repairing experience for the partner, mm-hmm. for the partners. Mm-hmm. And so they put all their time and energy into the kids because they see that there's some kind of bonus in that for them. It yeah. makes them feel better about themselves. Well, and it's it's probably sometimes the only thing people have in common. It's the only thing keeping them together is their their children. And, you know, you hear stories of people, um, you know, being really unhappy and maybe wanting to separate but choosing to wait until their kids are off to college and making, you know, a lot of sacrifice for the benefit of their children. And to some extent, that's normal, you know, but um, it does seem like the kids are number one. And in a lot of marriages, the relationship with their spouse is number two. And I wonder if that uh, is an example, you know, part of the reason why our divorce rate is so high. I think it absolutely is because there's so much pressure on achieving Mm -hmm. that in these kid-centric marriages, we're also putting a lot of pressure on our children to achieve Mm -hmm. because it makes the parents feel good about themselves. So we have such a hard time separating being a guide to our kids and really facilitating their their personal growth and their um, what is in their highest interests mm-hmm. and separating ourselves from that of like, wow, my, my kid was able to do that, you know, yeah. and I'm super proud of them for, for being able to navigate that or they made this mistake and then they were able to get back up and, and try again mm-hmm. because so many parents take that to say, look what I did. Right. Right. And there is a real separation between that. And if for the parents that can go, look what my child did, look how I I did help to facilitate this or to help um, to navigate them in, in a direction. But they they were able to think through it themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. 
when we're able to have that separation, then we're also able to celebrate their wins, but then also celebrate our own personal wins. Because there are personal wins that parents can have that's actually outside of parenting. Imagine that. I know. Imagine that. <laughs> such a concept. Right. Well, I um, I think that's such an important topic, Uh just being an example to your kids, um, by example, showing your children what a healthy relationship looks like, um, showing that love and affection that you can have with your significant other, and also showing them that you have things outside of the home that fill you up, um, whether it's through your career or hobbies, that's something that's not just about them. Right. It's and about you. But that's where the guilt, I think, is coming in for mm. a lot of parents because then they start to feel guilty that they would have something outside of their kids. Right. Right. So then they want to end up – a lot of women um, – I don't know – I mean, this is probably a big generalization, but I don't know how much – Uh, dads feel this way. But I know with a lot of moms that I've encountered in my parenting group over 15 years Mm -hmm. um, or just in personal counseling, they have a lot of conflict over finding something for themselves that isn't about their kids. Absolutely. They want it. There's kind of this desire, but then they shy away from it because they're so worried about the time it would take away from raising their children. And then oftentimes in in marriages... um, if it's been more of a traditional home where there's a father that's working and then moms stay at home, then they also can receive some guilt from their partner yeah. about, hey, you know, you're you're the one at home, so you're the one responsible for all this. You've got to make sure that our kids are involved in this and this and this. And these are usually very high-achieving dads that will often put a lot of pressure on on um, their wives for making sure that all these needs are getting met for, for the kids as well. And so it's just hard because the message is you really shouldn't have something that's just for you. Right. Well, it's so it's that's such a conflicting message, too. Yeah. Um, Because we're all, you know, choosing to disconnect in this world that we're living in right now. (laughs) And um, but why why disconnect, though? Right. Why are we disconnecting? Yeah. Well, that's the question. We're choosing to are we overcompensating with our with our kids? Are we spending too much energy focusing on on our on our children and not enough on ourselves? You know, so because I think ultimately it's not so satisfying if right. you're just focusing all the time on seeing that your kids are are uh, being the best and they're at their best. It's it's not so satisfying for a parent because it's not necessarily something that's truly for themselves. Right. And we all need something, something that gives us some purpose that's just, that's actually outside of our kids. Your kids can't be your sole purpose. Well, that's, that's the real nugget right there, right? Because you do, you, you feel when they're little that, I mean, your, your job is to keep them alive and healthy. And, um, you know, at some point they're going to be gone and they're going to go off. That's what you want them to leave and, you know, go to school and get a job and create their own life. And um, and then who are you left with? You have your, your significant other possibly and, and you're left with yourself. <laughs> and if there's if that self is empty and unfulfilled, you're not going to be a very happy person. You know, how do you think you can combat this in your marriage? Like what are some some tools for couples? I think you have to make the time. You have to be really intentional about carving out regular, consistent time. Mm -hmm. And 
a lot of people go, well, you know, we have a date night. Right. And date night is is great. But we also need to be wooing each other on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Little check-ins, whether it's a text message or a little call midday, little touches, affection goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, we look at Gary Chapman's book of the five love languages. Yeah. I believe it's acts of service, gifts, uh, touch, mm-hmm. affirmation, and quality time mm-hmm. are the five things. My husband and I just did that the other day. We yeah. did that test. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah. a great test. Yeah. It's a, and I mean, it's it's a great book. He also has uh, the five lo- love languages of children mm. as well. Okay. Um, but we all need these love languages, mm-hmm. right? But we all have a primary, a primary style. And in our partnerships, we have to be wooing each other. We have to be mm-hmm. pursuing one another. Keeping the flame going. Yes, Get the TV out of your room. Yes. <laughs> Turn off Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, having a TV in your bedroom is the death of your sex life. Yeah. I mean, I there was that Wall Street Journal article, right, that came out about Netflix yes. recently and, and saying that it's uh, really lowered. Lowered everybody's libido. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I would think that applies to all screens, right? Absolutely. You know, any, any device or anything that's distracting you. And um, yeah, well, your, and bed, your bed is meant for sleeping and sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no, so no children in the bed. <laughs> we didn't cover that one. We got to talk about that. How, what does that do to your relationship? <laughs> well, it, it does impact it a lot. I, I think that um, when it comes to having a baby and some people love co-sleeping, and I'm right there. I loved co-sleeping mm-hmm. with, my, with my babies. I nursed, you know, mm-hmm. um, each of my kiddos. And it's great up to a certain point because, you know, we are more Western, right? Because right. we live in the Western culture. Mm-hmm. And so to have our kids in their cribs at a certain point after about maybe four months mm-hmm. of co-sleeping is really kind of the ideal window of time to make that transition. Now, some people want to do co-sleeping longer. And when they do, it's often harder to get their babies out of the beds because mm-hmm. their child is so accustomed to sleeping next to their mom and dad. Right. I think it's just really important that the partnership that you have with your mate, you're both on board with that. Right. If you have one, you know, one person that's oppositional to it, I wouldn't do it. Right. Because then you're putting what you think are the needs of your baby first over what the needs are of your partner. And that's really kind of the crux of kid-centric marriages where mm. if if there's some kind of opposition and you guys aren't on the same page, then you're not a united front and your children are going to feel that. Right. Your children are going to feel the anxiety around mom and dad aren't aren't on the same page. They're not getting along. Mm-hmm. And so then kids, knowing that, often feel more pressure to have to achieve or be successful at things because it's like the parents need something to hold on to. Right. You know, right. I had um, years back worked with a family where um, they lost uh, several uh, real estate investments, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but their child was really good at basketball. Like, mm-hmm. really good. Already had, you know, some some offers for later on, people watching um, this child really, you know, going to be a real up-and-comer. 
Mm-hmm. And the child really felt the pressure of having to be very successful on, on the basketball team. Uh, so much so that at one point, then the child just gave up on it right. and just said, I can't do it anymore. Because the parents, you know, that's all they talked about was basketball because everything else, when it came to the finances of the family, were not going well. And so the pressure that that child felt to achieve was too much. Yeah. And this child actually ended up in a rehab Ugh. because they were um, so so distraught over and, and anxious over um, the pressure of it all. But the family had to really take a look at, like, how they had relegated basketball to be everything mm. because they needed something. Right. It was keeping them all together. It was their right. connection. Yeah. Well, and we're talking a lot about um Little kids, but you know, I've heard recently of parents going to moving to college with their children. What? Yes. <laughs> and I even I even heard a story the other day of a, a mom that her husband's staying here and she's getting an apartment wherever it is that her child is going and um, is going to live near this child to ensure that everything's going smoothly at college. What's, I've heard this story more than once. And is there certain special needs for this child? Like what would, or um, young I, adult? I don't think so. I don't think there is. Um, I just, I think that maybe it's just a sign that people are having a hard time letting go, letting their kids go. Um, okay. So that is that is a real good example of a kid-centric marriage there. Yeah. That's there, continuing into adulthood. So <laughs> in that kind of situation, there's something else going on in that marriage mm. that mom or dad would decide to have to move closer to their child during college right. rather Can than you stay at home. They're, tr- they're, they're avoiding something right? in their marriage. But what is it? I don't what know. Is, what is it? Yeah. I'm not sure. But, uh, well, you you just brought up something I wanted to discuss. You know, what if your child does have special needs, you know, like autism or, you know, a processing disorder? You know, these kids by nature require a little more time and commitment from a family. Absolutely. And, you know, how, how do you keep your marriage strong and balanced in those situations? Well, I think, you know, that's a very tough question because – the needs are so great mm-hmm. that oftentimes you you have to look for other resources mm-hmm. within the community to make sure that um, your child's needs are getting met either through the school district or um, through you know outside services. Mm-hmm. Um, and what when we look at um, families that that do have autistic children or um, other special needs, oftentimes these marriages are more at risk for divorce. Oh. Because so much time is is uh, required to for the care of these kids. Um, so what I would suggest is make sure you're on you have a united front with your mate, mm. and make sure that you're still making time for your marriage. Mm. And also, um, like I was saying earlier, time every day okay. because of the level of stress that's happening. Um, just because of the sheer needs, so that you of need your even child. more time, even more of a connection. Yes, but sometimes we they can't always like the quantity of time isn't always going to be there. Right, right. So to have outside family mm. support, um, friends, people that want to walk alongside uh, families, 
other resources to help balance things out, yeah. I think it's really important. And that also that you're continuing to talk about the stress or the fears or whatever it is um, for for the parents, but you're co- choosing to come together to mm. discuss and, and talk about it. So, and I, I suppose that could apply also to a single parent or, you know, parents that are divorced and co-parenting, you know, just that communication and... Yeah, what I've seen in single parenting mm-hmm. is that um, sometimes there's this backlash in single parenting where then a parent feels like they didn't get their uh, needs met mm-hmm. during the marriage, and then they kind of go off the rails a little bit. Like they're really involved in their own social lives, and then they're not mm-hmm. putting enough time into their kids. Or the opposite, where they put all their time and energy just into their kids. Oh. And it's a lot of pressure, too, because if you are a single parent, it's it's on you. And right. so you don't really have somebody, unless you... You make sure that this is happening in your schedule where you have somebody that's helping, where there's outside family or a regular babysitter or caregiver so that it, it can stay more balanced. But for single parents, there's a lot of pressure about, you know, having to meet all the needs. Uh, oftentimes in co-parenting, if it's really effective co-parenting, you do have somebody that you're working with mm-hmm. to make sure that uh, all the bases are being covered with the kids. So you still need some sort of support, it sounds like, in a, in a perfect world. Right. But fortunately in co-parenting, there's a bit of a break, right? Yeah. Because then typically one parent would have the kids on on the weekend, and so you do get a little bit of a break. Right. Jenna, can you give some examples of how we've become kids-centric in our marriages? Absolutely. A simplest example is something such as, your child is the one that's always saying, this is where we're going to go for dinner. Gosh. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, how many I have times? a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> and they're adamant. And yeah. then they start to whine. And then what do parents do? Well, we want to make our kids happy. Yeah. At least we'll know that they'll eat something there. So we give in. Right? And, you and then we give rubies in. again. <laughs> right? This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, like... The parents should go ahead and make the decision. If you don't want to eat at a hamburger joint, <laughs> right? then just say, actually, no, we're going to eat here. And then we start to develop the palate of our kids. Right. What I hear from a lot of parents is, but my child's not going to eat anything at a Japanese restaurant. You know, yeah. if they if they don't, you know, they're not going to they're not going to enjoy it. Well, if you put food in front of them, uh, like the same kind of food that you want them to try at least five times, right? at some point, they're going to think lettuce isn't so bad. Yes. Yeah. Truly. You just have to kind of continue to be consistent and, and say, well, no, we're going to just keep trying this. And sometimes kids just aren't going to want to eat something, right? right, after several times. Okay, fine. Then they haven't taken a liking. But at least you tried it and tried it enough to know. Yeah. Right? I My kids... Um, get in my car and want to be the DJ. And Mm. that drives me crazy because I'm like, this is my car. I'm the driver. I get to pick the music. And they're, you know, the whole way to school telling me what songs they want to hear. Just the simplest thing of of driving in the car and listening to the radio and they want to control the music. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of kids that think they have so much more authority in their homes. Mm than they actually should. Yeah. And a lot of parents that are giving over their authority. I was at um, 
a hotel uh, a few weeks ago, and there was a little four-year-old that was carrying around his stuffed animal, and uh, he looked at me, and he threw the stuffed animal right in my face. Are you kidding me? No, I'm serious. He threw it right in my face. And then the dad that was holding his hand um, <laughs> said, oh, uh, sorry about that. He says that to me. And then he hands the stuffed animal back to his kid. Oh, my goodness. And so what I realized <laughs> in that moment, I'm watching this, it's like, wow, we really missed out on an opportunity there. Because yeah. when you hand over the stuffed animal back to your kid, what are you saying? You're saying it's perfectly okay that you just threw your stuffed animal at a stranger's face. Right. I'm going to go ahead and reward you for bad behavior. Right. And the better position would have been, son... We don't throw stuffed animals uh, at, at strangers. <laughs> and actually, I'm going to have to hold on to this stuffed animal for a little while now because we've misused it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll try again on, on a, a, a later time. But some kind of boundary needed to be set. Right. So he was aware of, you just don't behave that way. Right. And to me, that's another example of a kid-centric family mm. because if you keep rewarding bad behavior— what are you going to get? You're going to get a child that keeps thinking, I can behave this way and get away with it on a regular basis. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So we're creating very entitled little people here by um, by by making them our number one focus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also out of the need to keep them happy. Right. So many parents are parenting from, I really want to see my kids happy. Mm. And the goal is not happy. The no. goal is to self-correct. Right. Like, do they have the ability to recognize when they've made a mistake and and how to bounce back from that and uh, repair it with people? Well, and at and times, repair it with themselves. Right, right. And at times, it seems as though uh, you know we're sacrificing our own personal happiness for theirs. You know, it doesn't yes. really matter what mom needs or dad needs or wants. It's these the kids are really yeah and i would say too that's part of the toolbox for how to repair this if you have a kid centric marriage is that is there something for everybody in the family to have a little a little purpose that's outside of just the family that mm. we're setting aside time for mom to have something just for her we're setting aside time for dad yep. and it's not just the kids and and everything that they're signed up for but also it's the parents that are choosing to sign the kids up for these things. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of take back family time and mm -hmm. not have your kids so overscheduled so that then you're choosing to have some kind of time for yourselves. Right. If you're constantly running around for your kids' schedules, then you're going to have overscheduled kids right. that are overanxious <sighs> and then not able to really be present. And, you know, in this day and age with social media, with technology, we are continuing to just say, don't be present, you know, right. move on to the next thing and right. post this fast, you know, everything's instant. And so we don't know how to wait well. We don't know how to, you know, develop frustration tolerance, impulse mm -hmm. control, mm -hmm. because everything's always so fast and wanting it right now. Instant gratification. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah, and I think too, um, celebrating those um, the family time and the alone time. You know, 
make I know I when I've talked to my kids about going back to work after a very long time, you know, their first reaction was, well, what about me? Are you going to have time to pick me up at school? Are you going to still be able to volunteer in my class? They were so worried about themselves. Mm-hmm. And my husband did something really beautiful. He he said, how about we say, mom, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you mm. that you're finding a pa- your passion and doing something for yourself. And they said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I think just taking a moment to to celebrate, especially the, the working parent. You know what I love about that story you just shared, too, is that your husband took the time to correct your kids mm-hmm. about how they were thinking kind of more about themselves. Mm. And he was saying, let's take a moment to celebrate. Yeah. Let's yeah. celebrate somebody else other than you. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today in our discussion of kid-centric marriages. And please join us next time when we talk about how to teach our kids how to be more respectful and grateful. Mm-hmm.